This is Lauren. This is Trey. And this is the Partnership Podcast. This week, we are talking about the Happy Shiny People documentary, which focuses on the Duggar family and IBLP homeschooling, as well as purity culture. And Lauren talks about her own experience being raised as a homeschooler. That's what it is, like in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, I make empty sexual promises. Listen. Like I'm gonna do all these other like awesome sex things to you throughout the day, and it's yeah. Then it turns into like, eh, what's on YouTube? That's what. You, you, well, I was gonna say. Then it's like prepping coffee and taking walks. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna say the mean YouTube thing. Um, yeah, but you, yeah, you do make lots of promises when we're in a current sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk a big game like when we're in the throes of passion. The throes. Yeah. I'm a big picture guy in the throes of passion because like we're gonna do yeah. this, we're gonna do this today. Oh, you're like you better watch out for this. And then it's like, I haven't seen any of the John Wick movies. Everybody loves them. Like, should I watch a John Wick movie today? So that's what it turns into. Good morning. Good morning, my love. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Ben. I would like to talk about. Everything that's going on inside of me. Set my timer for 28 minutes. And how it relates or how much clarity I am receiving on why I self-criticize in the way I do after us finishing the documentary, Happy Shiny People. I'd like to know your thoughts on it. And then I'd like to connect it to like what's going on in my body right now, the self-blame, the self-criticism, the lovely feelings day I had yesterday. Um, yeah, is there anything you'd like to talk about? Can you set up like what Happy Shiny People is? Mm-hmm. So, y'all, this is our new thing apparently. We watch documentaries on churchy folk. And Happy Shiny People which is really interesting, was set up and started out to be a documentary on fundamentalism and Christianity in um, the United States. But I guess from what I've heard is that then Jill Duggar was interested in coming on. Basically, it became a documentary about the Duggars specifically and their involvement with IBLP and their advanced training institutes their ways of homeschooling, their ways of training up children, this quiverful modality, um, the roles, the umbrellas, all of this type of stuff. I was more fearful to watch this one than I ever was to watch Hillsong because I didn't grow up in the mega church world. Um, that affected my sister far much more than I did. Um, this one, <laughs> my nervous system was like, oh, this is going to be triggering. <laughs> Because even though Gothard and his teachings were not directly a part of my life, so much of the other stuff was. The quiverful stuff, the reason I am in such a big family is because of it. Homeschooling is like, it, it, it's like the social contagion thing that I say. Like we weren't 100% in that camp, but we were 95% in that camp. I never went to a training institute Um, But absolutely, first-time obedience was required for me. Absolutely, I was not allowed to show, like, disappointment, sadness, complaining. Absolutely, I was the one, the buddy system, who raised my baby sister. Absolutely, 
there was an umbrella in our house, which was God, my father, my mother, and our ki- the kids. What is the IBLP? What does it stand for? My brain just blanked out. The listeners can know. Um, it's just a set of beliefs, a set of Christian beliefs that they believe are the best, like in the, I don't know, it's a denomination. We'll call it that. Um, just like there's, like you always say, Episcopalian versus Presbyterian versus all these things. Um, yeah. It was actually watching it, incredibly validating for my story. And I did talk to another one of my clients who said that they did a really good job of supporting survivors of these worlds in the stock. And I I would agree. I would say by the end, you're like, hell yeah, (laughs) we got out and we're doing it. Like at the end, they were really showing how stories are being told of the people who are really thriving now, which I really did appreciate. Um, Didn't make it less hard to watch. What were your thoughts just on watching it? Go ahead. Before we get to that, can you talk more about like your childhood and how you were raised in this and kind of dive into specifically what the IBLP like represented and then who was the leader of it? Yeah. So within every belief system, there are white men at the top in the United States of America who pass down their like aha moments from God, right? It's funny. We watched, what's our Book of Mormon, the musical, right? Same, same. Like I'm pointing fingers. We are right now at the IBLP because we just watched this documentary and go back and listen to our Hillsong doc conversation because we talk about how this type of power runs rampant wherever you see power. But the IBLP was specifically desirous of headship, this kind of concept that if we all have authority and if there is absolute truth, everything should just function. And prosperity gospel, have you heard of prosperity gospel? Okay. Kind of like, if you do this, God will bless you, which 100% connects to my story. So we'll go back there. And so you know, these, I loved at one point, they were like, everybody had spiritual gifts, except these sets of spiritual gifts, prophecy were given to the boys and mercy was given to the girls. Like you didn't get to choose. You didn't get to like do an Enneagram assessment of yourself or a human design. Like, oh, look, this is what I'm good at. It was like, and you are good at baking bread. The IBLP, the women do so much work and they talked about this too like the birthing of the babies the cleaning of the home the running of the home and yet no esteem is given to them this esteem is given to the man and the way i was taught is that basically it was putting jewels in your husband's crown like basically the wife and the kids were the jewels in the crown and everything we did was to make him look spectacular a saying that we, we would hear when we left the house was, remember who you belong to, remember your name. And it was like my behavior was to at all times reflect positively back onto my father. It was interesting to watch 
they they chronicalized the IBLP a lot, and it was neat to watch how they they started out just kind of like religion and like house churches, and it's so funny. Like this is what you see in scripture too, and this is what Jesus ironically is like. Hey, don't do that. That's dangerous. But it, the control, they just wanted it to get more and more and more. So then it became the courtship model got implemented, which is dating is a no, but courting with the intent to marry is the best thing. Only hold hands which are engaged to save for your first kiss for marriage. Of course, no sexual interaction. This this was all taught? This all was all taught. homeschool taught too? Yes. This was homeschool taught. Yeah. So this is what your mother and father were like. This is how we're going to run our household. Mm-hmm. I had a courtship manual. Do I have a book back here? Is that good? That I had a courtship manual that was thicker than this. It was I shouldn't have thrown it away, but it was so tra- tragic to me. It was like, like six inches thick. thick, and it was called "Wing to Wing or to Or: An Anthology of Courtship in the United States of America." Okay, and. It was like to prove to me that courtship was not a new thing. Like this was a good thing from the past that we were bringing back. And this whole concept, it's so funny because when people hear purity culture, they think Jonas Brothers and like um, true love weights rallies and stuff like that. That's not the purity culture that I was raised in. I was raised in purity culture of my heart belongs to my father. My body belongs to my father until I am given away on my wedding day to my husband. And then he is entrusted with my headship, my body, my sexuality, everything like that covering that they kept talking about the umbrella would be, I would literally be taken from under my father's covering and put under my husband's. And it's God husband, wife, kids. What was discipline like growing up? It's so interesting because some of the ones that you did not watch, which I'm glad, talk about the book To Train Up a Child by the Pearls. And I'm curious if any of our listeners read that book or were raised on that book. But basically... um, and I am horrified to say that I did this with baby, the baby for her first few years of life. But above all our door jams were um, like paint stirrers. And they're big on not spanking with your hand, spanking with an outside implement so that the child is never afraid of you. They're just afraid of the implement. That's bullshit. Bullshit. Um, but we were expected to obey the first time. So first time obedience was our phrase. And if we didn't, there was no room for a reason. We were spanked immediately. Now, my mom, I I just remember like her spanking at some point kind of diminished. And I, I have no idea why Wish she was here. And it would instead become the wait till your father gets home type of thing. Um, And then my father spanked with his own belt um, on our bare behinds. And I have visceral memories of being in my childhood bedroom, holding on to, I had like a four poster bed, the post or the end post. I was not allowed to let go Um, and having to bend over and expose my bottom and 
yeah, they would always like tell me how many spankings I was going to get. And it hurt so badly. And I think even worse than that was, yeah, this person you loved was doing this to you. And then afterwards, there would always be these hugs and like this whole like, this hurts me so much too. I don't want to do this. But like when it's happening, you're thinking like they weren't supposed to spank in anger. No one was ever supposed to spank in anger, but they fucking do. Like bullshit. Anybody who's parented kids knows how angry you get. This is why it doesn't work. Like it is very difficult to parent. (sighs) Were you ever uh, encouraged to ask questions about the system that you were raised in? No, it was like, um, no. I remember laying in bed a couple nights when I was little thinking like, what if the whole thing's not real? Like, what if there's not a God? You know, what if like this, I remember thinking like, what if the system is not real? What were you taught about hell or the concept of God? That, yeah, that we were all deserving of hell. Like, we all just deserved hell because we were such sinful little humans that we were born with a sin nature. And so, like, as soon as a child could, like, repent of their sins, for me it was at seven, and ask for forgiveness from Jesus, the better, because if not, I was going to hell hell as a child I remember Sunday school classes where we I remember like being nine and needing to write down in a piece of on a piece of paper something that we needed to repent of and I remember sitting there thinking I don't know what I've done that's like like offense worthy because I was nine like I'm sure I'd been a little twerp like earlier that day to my brothers or something but no not like deep sinful things so I learned I think literally at that point how to become so self-critical right how to focus in on my own shortcomings with like mm, like I will find something right like I will find something to be critical of of my in myself what about others were you ever encouraged to be critical of others no you're never encouraged to, were you ever encouraged to maybe police others? Oh. Yeah, but it was more just like disdain and not wanting to be like, it, it, there's this scripture that says that we're to, we are to be in the world, but not of it. And so I was just encouraged, for instance, I was still in musical theater, like that was the very worldly thing that I was in, but I wasn't really to have allowed to have friends in musical theater because they weren't Christians. And so there was always this fine line between have friends, but not really, um, because they might cause you to backslide, like they might cause you, yeah, they might be a bad influence. So So I was just around, I was just judging everyone. It was only people you were allowed to associate really like associate with was within the community Mm -hmm. and mine was so we went to it's interesting when I talked to other people who went to our same church but they weren't homeschooled like we were like a pocket at that church Mm -hmm. of homeschooled families we all had a small group together it looked very much like you see on the Duggar stuff Um, and 
So we'd all eat a meal together first, all of our quiverful family, like everybody had five kids. And then the parents would like stay and pray together and we would go off and like play games, but we'd watch all the children too, like that type of thing. And yeah, I mean, it's where like my first, I mean, we wouldn't call him my boyfriend. I don't know what you would call what this guy and I had in high school. We were courting. I mean, there was literally conversations of our future wedding all the time. How old? I graduated at 17, so like 16, 17. Quiverful. What does that mean? Uh, it's like you basically you wouldn't go to battle without a quiver full of arrows. So you want a full quiver. Because as you saw, children are a blessing from the Lord because they do fucking physical labor, right? And basically, if we're going to populate the earth with champions for Christ, we need lots of children. So their whole idea was children are a blessing. Like, and look how much help they give to your home. I mean, I remember my father so many times saying, this should be easier. Like, because there's so many of you, like the burden in this home should not be lots. It should be lighter. And that's because they had parentified us. Like we were little adults. We didn't get to have a childhood. We were doing the workload of big people. I worked at my dad's office in high school, like worked. I I do think it's some of the lovely things you see inside of me. I want to be really clear, right? Like the things that I learned when I ran a business at 15, 16, I still use today. I know so much about the inner workings of a business. I'm not saying that Lauren, if she was given that option, wouldn't have still chosen that. But the fact that it was not an option, it was an obligation, is what's really in, like really interesting. Also interesting when we look at now how hard it is for me to rest, right? That... I would rather be working than anything else because, oh, wow, your work is your worth in this household. Christians versus non-Christians. What were you taught about the differences? And at what age? Um, Love the sinner, hate the sin. As young as I can remember. What does that mean? Um, We were to have them in our home. We were to love on them, treat them well, but really... Underneath it all, we wanted to convert them to Christianity. Why? So that they wouldn't go to hell. Uh, Media and like movies and TV. What was your experience like within the I just said this the other day. Yeah. And let's be clear. I wasn't in the IBLP. I was in like a trickle down. We went to homeschool where my parents went to homeschool conventions, but they didn't go to like Bill Gothard's homeschooling conventions. What's the difference between the two? I think they would have even said that he was extreme. Bill Gothard is the founder of the... IBLP and and the Advanced Training Institutes and the wisdom booklets and stuff like that. Do I have friends whose homeschool curriculum was the wisdom booklets? 100%. So just to be clear, you weren't part of Mm -hmm. that type Mm -hmm. of homeschooling. You were part of different type of Mm -hmm. homeschooling? My mother, for most subjects, we had textbooks that you could have gotten that you could have used in school that a lot of the private schools around us were using again you and i talk about this sometimes that she must have been warring against this whole thing it's like if we were going to homeschool we were going to do it the best way there were ways to say you were homeschooling for like religious exemption 
my mother was convinced we weren't going to do that. Um, she like literally went through the whole process for to be approved as like the overseer of our curriculum. We submitted test scores every single year. I could have at any point jumped into the school system. Um, I think the education that I got was fantastic. The access to peers, the access to other voices, the access to other opinions did, got none of it, none of it, except in the theater. Um, but you had asked a question. Oh, media. Yeah. yeah. Um, people find this hilarious because my mother was legitimately a movie star and a TV person. Um, but no, we didn't have a television in our home. And I didn't know until this stuff, until this documentary, that that was normal for homeschooled Christians. Um, eventually we got a TV. It was in the basement, but it just had a VCR for like movies. And we would get movies from the public library. Or I remember my mother, she loves Star Trek. So she would like watch Star Trek and fold laundry. Sometimes it was like her guilty pleasure. So somehow we got Star Trek. I remember when we were really little, and this must just have been before the whole thing took hold. I do remember watching like Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I must have been tiny. So I think it was before anybody was starting school. And yeah, they would just call me a couch potato. They would just say that I could lay there all day. And I was just called lazy. Yeah. So maybe that was one of the reasons that it went away. So no, I know zero pop culture references still i mean i am like i'm getting clammy sweaty right now from kind of the age where pop culture is really influential in a young person's life what would you say like middle school through high school sure maybe elementary, even middle late high, yeah. elementary yeah i know nothing people will talk i some of my friends listen to backstreet boys and nsync and stuff like that and so i know a little or britney but if you were to ask, I want to listen to the Backstreet Boys, like say in middle school, what would the, what would the predictable, or what would you think the reaction think would be from your parents? I think they would have said, we're disappointed. I think they would have said that that's, my parents were obsessed with excellence too. Um, like kind of like that's cheap media. Like I think musical theater was allowed because it was more in their minds technically thought through and like this amazing art form and as was classical music classical music it was always fine which is funny because at some point that was pop culture um contemporary christian music was fine um so it was just approved was it approved by your parents or was it approved by the i i'm messing up the acronym or like no i don't know what they did it, see this is what's so interesting is that when you're homeschooled, you don't know where these rules are coming from, right? And I said, no, it was just my parents in that situation. And yeah. And then my little homeschool group of friends, eventually what happens is you do you do need friends. And so I had like a core group, but we were all homeschooled and our families all believed the exact same thing, like supported the courtship model, all of this type of stuff. Like, no one thought it was alarming. Some of my friends said some on the outside who were like close but not too close, they were alarmed by like the getting married thing. Mm -hmm. But most of them, nope. If I was really holy, I like wouldn't even be in a relationship yet. I would like be waiting. But yeah, they knew we cared for each other. He at one point bought me a necklace. We were going with his family to see a performance of Swan Lake, the ballet and Roanoke. Who's he? 
the guy I was courting. Oh, 16, 17? Mm-hmm. This is your first courtship? My only courtship. Your only courtship, and this is the one we were talking about marriage at 16 mm-hmm. or 17. This is right before I met my ex-husband. Got it. Because I met my ex-husband at 18. Okay. And this, he is why I broke it off with this guy that I was courting. Okay. Um, and I bought me a necklace at one point, and I was allowed to wear it to the ballet, but then I was not allowed to keep it because my father said, that's mine to do for you, and he can do that when you're married. Uh, what was your uh, reaction? I was heartbroken. I was so sad. I still think about that necklace. I still think about, like, he picked it out for me. He had gone, like, on a trip with his family. He had spent his own money on it. Like, it was such a beautiful, innocent high school dating thing to do to, like, like, we'd been, whatever, courting for, like, a year. And we were so responsible. And so there was nothing inappropriate about any of anything we did. Um. Yeah, and you know, now as a sexuality educator, I look back and what you learn is that every child develops sexually at their own speed and rate. And I don't even remember desiring anything more than hand-holding with him for the longest time until the weekend before he went away to college. We were taking a walk. We were allowed to hold hands by this time. And around his parents' lake, we were allowed to be unchaperoned. How? I don't know. Um, And he gave me a hug. And we like stood there hugging for a second. He was your height too. It's always funny to every person. Um, And I remember we pulled back from the hug and my body wanted to kiss him. And that was the, I literally remember thinking like, I must be sliding backwards. But at the same time, I was thinking like, oh, I've never felt this before. Like I have never felt that and that's so age appropriate and developmentally appropriate i was 17 years old that would have been a perfectly normal next step with a trusted human and instead i was made to feel like i should go burn in hell um yeah it was sad what did you learn about sexuality during your homeschooling (laughs) nothing nothing literally industry okay um the night before i got married to my ex my mother in her wheelchair as she's dying is like lauren come sit here and i it's like you know when your parent has like avoided talking about these things forever she goes i don't know how much you know and by this time ex-husband and i had already like made out several times and i had orgasmed accidentally during like a heavy makeout and she's like as long as you take care of your husband's needs the Lord will bless your sexual relationship. That period was end of story. Take care of his needs. What age? That I got married. I was 21 years old. That was your first sexuality lesson from your parents? My parents were very open about their sex, so I definitely know. And my parents walked around naked until, like, it it wasn't inappropriate. I will be very clear. Like, I I saw my parents naked at age-appropriate ages, there was a lot of body positivity, except for my mother, who was a professional dancer, so she was always critiquing her body. But, um, yeah, nothing. And my brothers were having sex with their girlfriends, but no, nothing for me. 
that's the other wacko thing is there's such a double standard because the boys are going to be out there in the world so they need to be prepared but our girls need to be so protected the man is head of household mm -hmm. what'd you learn about that that he's my like absolute authority and that i should submit at all times was there ever a conversation of if the man isn't ready to be an absolute authority because mm -mm. it was God-given. And so if, like, you were there to support his growing process and his heal, like, his, you were there to undergird him. No, because it, it was God-given. It wasn't, you don't get to, oh, girl, determine whether or not he's ready. It's a God-given role, so we need to support him as he steps into his God-given role. I was the oldest child, but not the oldest son. And there was a clear delineation. Does hearing this, does watching the doc give any clarity to sometimes the little things you see in me? Yeah. Especially earlier on. I think we've worked through a ton of them. Mm -hmm. But earlier on in our relationship. Mm-hmm. It still comes up sometimes where you, you give me a look and you're like, did I do something wrong? And it's almost from a childlike place. In the documentary that we saw, the, um, the children and the women, um, they're encouraged to be meek. Mm -hmm. They said meek a lot mm -hmm. and um, to submit. Mm-hmm and do it the first time don't ask questions kind of an absolute authority and then eventually you just you just kind of be quiet to avoid uh being punished and then if you're not encouraged to ask questions uh from a little age then i, I guess you grow up you just grow up that way so it's yeah yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's so intertwined with shame. Which is a means of control. And then um, Bill Gothard was a child molester. Where he was in his 70s preying on teenage girls. And seems to be, and he was thought of as uh, like this deity where he had a direct link to God. Did you know anybody that directly talked to God? Every pastor of a church kind of had that. I mean, they were the ones who delivered the sermons, right? And so they just... They, we didn't use the same language, mm -hmm. but yes. They had the fast, everybody talks to God, but they have the fast pass, right? Yeah, and it was like assumed that the head of the household would be seeking the Lord. He's got the premium channel yeah. to and God then, as well. And it, it was his, quote, responsibility, you know, like you should expect that your head of household was mm -hmm. like seeking the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be the hope.
Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it seems to be an extremely debilitating way to raise a family and to, uh, it's, yeah, it's really sad. You can also go like blood boiling anger as well and rage. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sad. Like, what if you're... I mean, the head of a household, if you're the man and you're the head of the household and you're, I don't know, what, 19 or 20, and now you're married and now you're you're pumping out kids, uh, and maybe you're married to a woman that you never really wanted to get married to, and you're having all these kids and you're not ready for them, and you're now you're in this job and you have to provide... Um, I think it puts a household into survival mode. Yes. And yes. now you're you're just and then like you said your childhood was taken away or parts of it. Well, you know, now parts of your 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 twenties are taken away. Mm-hmm. And then it's um it then you're just systemically unhappy. That could be a path. I mean the other path is like, hey, great, it all works out. Mm-hmm. If you have a support system, Mm -hmm. but if you don't, I mean, that's a hard life to, to be married to a person you're not really that interested in, or maybe you didn't even choose, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or the, the person is, Hey, that's convenient for this time because now you need to get married. And then you have a bunch of kids that, I mean, at 19, 20, 21, you're still kind of a child yourself. Um, which I think one of the things that popped out to me the most from this documentary was this parentification of children. And then all of a sudden it crystallized for me that that's why they sexualize young girls so early too. Because in their minds, you skip over childhood. In their minds, the children were doing child labor mm-hmm. at eight, nine years old. Oh, so they're ready to have kids at like 17, 18, 19. Right. And so all of a sudden it became so clear to me why we are telling young girls to dress modestly in this, that, and the other fashion. It's because they don't know how to differentiate between age appropriate growth of any kind, any kind. It became so crystal clear to me that, oh my gosh, right, they they wouldn't know that your frontal lobe's not developed until you're 21, right? And that you should have mistakes and you should fail and be able to come back to the safety of a home. Mm-hmm. Like we say that with you know, the tween that's in our house right now. Sure. Like we want her to be able to fuck up and know and learn from that mistake because yeah. it is such a vital part of growth, vital yeah. part of cognitive thinking abilities and trial and error it's just so good but they that whole area was skipped i know for me it was my parents would say like um yeah like they didn't believe in youth group at church i wasn't allowed to go to youth group because that was like glorifying the teenage years glorifying an age of irresponsibility so when i say we were extreme even within our church i mean it like they would they would roll their eyes and be so frustrated. And this at, was just for you? This wasn't for your brothers? Yeah, because I think eventually my brothers went, yeah, but no. I think my brothers would say that they had, they would like laugh, like, yeah, that was a stage dad went through. You should ask, 
You see one all the time. Ask him if he has a similar experience. Okay. Or if he like remembers my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and he might not. He really might not. But this is my experience. I think this is also what that whole system fails to do is look at the uniqueness of each child. I am. That's so interesting that you say that because your brothers were both, your two brothers were both accomplished athletes. So they went to high school. They didn't go the homeschool route, at least in high school, because they were yeah, they were winning in varsity sports. They were extremely good athletes. I was an extremely good actor, singer, dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. What's so interesting is that looking back, my mother must have still been in a catch-22 because she like tried to get me into colleges with really great theater programs and did. Like I got accepted to some really fine schools, but at the same time, this whole your father is your covering stuff has been preached over me. And so when dad offered me a job to stay here, I took it and I just remember my mother being devastated Hmm. and me thinking, yeah, I don't understand, but I am sure it was a war within her. I so wish she was alive today. That's interesting. Yeah, she built this system for you, then she wanted you to like escape it. Yeah, it's like and a sometimes fucking I want to say like, something. "Fuck you, mom." Well, like that scene in Ted it's Lasso. Not on you. It's he... not on you. Like your mom, her choices—they're not on you. It's just—they're not on it's you. It's really frustrating, and it's funny. I was telling Beatrice, sorry, the baby, this mm-hmm. story the other day, and. Because I was watching the doc and I said, I'm just really angry sometimes that I fill in the blank, blah, 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 blah. And she turns to me and she goes, but if all of that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be sitting here right now and you wouldn't have Trey. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still deconstructing all yeah. of this. But yeah. yeah. I don't want um, absolute rule over my house. I don't want a submissive wife. Um, I don't want to procreate because uh, somebody wants the numbers to go up. I don't want to push things down. I don't want um, shame to be a huge driver in my relationship. I want an equal. Hmm. I want a true equal, someone that I can pitch and catch with. Someone that um, is strong and that I admire and that I can lift up in a partner. I don't want you to obey me. I want you to challenge me. I want you to ask questions. And that's that's what y'all fight for. In the other way, everything I just described, dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Anything else? I get the. I gotta get the fuck out of this chair. Anything else, baby? No, no. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll do. It was a hard doc. It was a hard doc for me to watch. I know it was. Thank you for watching it. Yeah. I think. You know, I I don't I don't think you need to do it all the time. I'm glad there was a doc. It, yeah, it's it's always about like the ladies get a hard deal, and somebody at the top is fucking kids. Yeah. All these documentaries are pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, under the guise of God, and then, like, if they get called out, it's the devil. Right. Why do these guys get shot? Why doesn't somebody shoot these fucking guys? Instead of covering up their bullshit, why did, yeah, where's that message? Where's the message of this is my calling, I need to fucking... We probably got to edit that out. (laughs) I love you. 
Yeah, and I love you too. Thanks for pushing through and watching that. Yeah, thanks. I, yeah, thanks, babe. Uh, it means a lot to me because it gives you a vantage point from what I come from. So I when watched I give like two thirds of it. When I give you that scared kiddo look, yeah, yeah. Um, we can come up with a prompt, yeah. maybe that's like, "Hey, babe, you're safe." Yeah, and that's it. And I think it might be helpful because I've realized after watching that how deeply entrenched it still is in, t- in my body. Yeah. Um, Especially when we disagree on something, which is not often, but it's something usually silly. And immediately my body goes to defer submit. Okay. And that's when you see the scared kiddo thing. But let's wrap up and I'll say goodbye to the cameras. Love you the most. You show me. Every day. Every day. Hi, everybody. (laughs) You grew up in a world like I did or in the IBLP. And you would really like it to stop having effects on your partnership. I would love to work through this with you. I do this with countless clients and it's one of the biggest joys of my heart because it feels like our pain coming to purpose. You can go to my website, sexedforyou.com forward slash free consult. We'll chat for 15 minutes. You can tell me a little bit of your story. I'll tell you how I work with clients. Um, Then and only then, if you want to move forward, we can get something on the books, but 15 minutes, you can just talk to me. I hope you remember that the opinions shared here are strictly our opinions. I, especially when we talk about anything religious, I want to acknowledge that there are individuals out there for whom religion is a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is not a how-to podcast. This is a how-we podcast. Hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and we'll see you again soon.